Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of So What Exactly Do You Do? Joining me on the podcast today is Rob Roberts from Babson College. He's an instructor at the No Code Startup Studio and is here to share his experiences. Mr. Roberts, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's really happy. I'm really happy to be here. It sounds uh, terrific to talk about this subject. Great to have you on. So, um, would you tell me a little bit about yourself and and um, what made you choose Babson? Sure. Well, I, I am uh, probably a, um, uh, a, a, a entrepreneur from from way back. I think I first started out as a developer and management consultant, but then I quickly got into the uh, startup game and I've joined either either started or joined early in seven different startups wow. <laughs> uh, in the last 20 years, along with helping probably two dozen in one way or another, one capacity or another. So the whole whole idea of starting a product, creating new products, creating new companies, it just is, you know, very natural to me. Um, and of course, Babson is the king of that kind of that kind of understanding, that kind of work, and uh, so that's why I'm, I'm working with with Babson now. It's a very exciting no code space. I've been hearing a lot about it, to be honest, and uh, yeah, I think that's why you know this topic is a is a great topic for a for a podcast. Um, so, so are you are you from Boston origin, originally? No, I grew up uh, in a tiny little town in, in Connecticut Not and far. Uh, yeah. came to Boston for school okay. and just stayed. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good city. <laughs> I like it too. Um, and, and what's, what's this no code startup studio about exactly? Yeah, really. What is it? What is it all about? What I mean, is it about? What is it? <laughs> it feels sometimes like there's controversy around it. There's really not. So We've just come up with new ways of developing applications, right? Okay. So the old way, and we've been trying, we've been working on this for a long, long time too, right? But the the old way of having to create very complex, uh, I think somebody somebody the other day used the word text-based programming. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've been using text-based programming for many, many years, right? And the, the point was, we don't have to drop down to that very difficult, challenging way of creating software applications. We can now create layers on top that really help people to create applications from scratch without having to know anything about what that text-based code is or, or how it works or, or anything like that. So it's, it's kind of like building blocks, basically, right? You'll have, it's geared towards entrepreneurs who have an idea, a vision, but might not have a lot of experience with tech. Well, here, here's, here's one way to look at it. Um, that's exactly right. One way to look at it is to think, think of all of those entrepreneurs out there that are interested in building businesses that are related to software. And guess what? Everything's related to software. Right? Yeah. Um, so they're interested in building businesses that are related to software. And what's the first thing that they do is they look for a technical co-founder. Correct. And you know what? You can't find them. <laughs> They're really, really hard to find. And they, they have lots of lucrative options for, for the work that they do. 
And what no code is, is the option for you as an entrepreneur to go ahead and build it yourself. You don't have to wait for a technical co-founder. You can create, especially the MVP, especially looking for product fit, product market fit. You can do that yourself. And is it, is, what, what's the main reason that people look for a tech co-founder? Is it, is it just for this part or is it experience also that you might not have? So let's say I might not have the skills to do it on my own, right? But if I bring in someone who knows how to do this, they bring in experience as well, which would help my business, correct? Uh, could be, could be. But as people that are not experienced in tech, guess what, aren't, aren't also experienced in evaluating technical co-founders. So I've seen so many situations and it's just a heartbreaking actually, when someone goes out and they find somebody who they think has that experience, but they don't have any way to evaluate it because they don't have the basis to know, right? And they end up wasting all this time. And a lot of times they, they waste uh, valuable stock as well because they set up all of this very lucrative thing for this technical co-founder that ends up not being interested enough or not having the right background to build what they want to build. So there's a lot of risk in going out there and trying to find a technical co-founder because it's hard to evaluate. If you don't have those kinds of skills, how do you know whether they can really do uh, database work? How do you know whether they can really do machine learning? But then isn't, isn't that also like a, um, a risk for entrepreneurs? So I'll give you an example. So yeah. um, there is a, um, you know, I, I learned about no code in 2016. Okay. And started working in it in 2016. And what at the time I had a lot of different ideas and what I wanted to build, I'm, I'm all, I also happen to be a Buddhist. So I wanted to build a, a, a type of platform to support Buddhist practice, right? So talk about a micro SaaS, micro, micro, right? It's a small community, right? Um, and some very specific needs. None of that exist, existed out there. There's nothing, nothing like what I wanted to build. It's not that it was particularly complex, but it's just that no one had any need to support these particular features, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Zoom all the way to the present, um, one of the applications that I'm building is for uh, gift swapping for the holidays, hmm. virtual gift swapping, right? So in the past, everybody, you know, pre-COVID, we could get together and we could have these big gift swaps where people brought their gifts and wrapped them and people chose and they get a chance to swap. One, they used to call it Yankee swaps, right? Yeah. Um, but, but swapping in general. Um, and now it's really hard because we don't get the people together. And also a lot of more people are virtual and they're spread around the country and whatever, whatever. So now I have an application that can do that. Just pull up a browser. You can tell what your, what your gift is you're contributing. You unwrap it virtually. You swap it virtually. There's chat in it so people can, you know, trash talk each other as they're <laughs> going through their, their uh, unwrapping and their swapping. So you really can create very, you can tune very specific types of experiences. Um, the other interesting thing to me that is fascinating about this stuff is that 
in the past, this kind of a micro experience would be something that would never be economical to build software for. Yeah. You know, so other than maybe, heavy. you know, Joe, the programmer who, you know, has this interest and wanted to put, you know, his spare time into building it and was willing to spend three years building it, right? This application, this gift squat application I told you about, it took me about a week and a half. Um, and and you're doing very you know just very sparsely part time right so you really can generate full full bore applications in probably about one tenth to one fifteenth the amount of time that a coder could do right so normally if you're an entrepreneur and you have a, an MVP that you want to have built right could very easily cost you fifty thousand. $100,000, $150,000 if you went to an agency to have that application built, right? Um, and there's variations, of course, in terms of complexity and all that, but, but that's a, a fair range that you could expect. And that, put, that puts most people out of the market. Yeah, to actually entrepreneurs, build yeah, that's a, that's a big right? commitment. It's, it's a big commitment. Well, in the no-code space, Think, think of that same application for one-tenth the cost. So now it's $10,000, $15,000, right? All of a sudden, there are things that you couldn't or you wouldn't ever build before that now sound pretty reasonable. What's the, what's the downside? <laughs> where, do, where do people run into trouble according to, to what you've well, seen? You know, one of the reasons why we have courses in this, you know, the 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 platform we're using is a platform called Bubble. Mm -hmm. uh, Bubble is the most full-featured platform in the no-code space, um, which gives you sort of the breadth of capability to do pretty much anything you need to do. Um, but with that, there is a learning curve, right? Um, because there are a lot of different possibilities and ways of doing things and lots of degrees of freedom, right? So the 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 biggest challenge, which is the challenge of learning anything, is that you you know you do need to learn it. It's way easier to learn than code. I mean, uh, coding can take you a long, long time to get proficient at. Yep. Something like a platform like Bubble, you know, really several weeks, and you can be proficient at it. You know, um, but there are specific areas that kind of are rough patches, right? And what we do in, in the course design is we set it up so that we can really help out with that part so that people don't get stuck, right? So you, have the you can go online, you can read videos, and you watch videos and all that stuff, but having someone who's dedicated, having a team sort of dedicated to you mm -hmm. to make sure that if you hit a rough spot on your very specific item that you're trying to build, that you can get over it. That's really the value of going to a course for this, like perhaps a course. Yeah, it makes sense. If they have any questions or have any ideas, they can kind of bounce them off each other and just have that conversation with people um, on right. the best way forward. The, the audience for this program, though, are you seeing an interest more from, you know, current students, from um, alumni, or, or is it a mix? We're seeing... We're, I, we're definitely seeing a mix uh, of interest between current students and, and alums. Um, I, from what I see, there's a lot of alums you know, around the world you know, who, who are very interested in this. I, I've taught 
other no-code courses that you know sort of pre-Babson. And you know, people are dialing in from the middle in the middle of the night from Australia and Singapore. You know what I mean? This oh, is very, yeah. very big. You know, people around the world are really uh, trying to take advantage of this. Now, the advantage of, of something like uh, doing it with Babson, though, is that in, in addition to sort of the, the tech part that I help out a lot with, you also get this world-class business uh, expertise that's guiding you as well, right? So yes. from, the, from the tech part, uh, I can help build pretty much anything, you know, in software. But when you're thinking about the problems and the hypotheses and you're thinking about how, how to go to market and you're thinking about what, you know, what is the market space out there and, and you know, what kind of competition might you be facing and what kind of uh, audience are you really going to serve and you know, digging into those business planning items right? Um, why not do it with a world-class set of colleagues standing right beside you? Yeah, I think, I think it'd be very useful to ask someone like you around who, you know, you've had so much experience with companies. So to kind of bring in that experience, um, absolutely. So I think it's not just uh, the hard skills here, right? It's not just right. knowing. It's also kind of being able to ask those questions and learning from your experiences. What, what, what else have you seen like in your entrepreneurial journey that, that people need to build a successful business? So this is obviously one part of it. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, again, speaking to some of these things that are part of uh, what we're teaching from a Babson perspective, yeah. um, it, it's really about understanding product market fit. And, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, let's face it, we tend to be a little bit headstrong. Yep. Okay. So we come into a situation often thinking that we've already solved the problem. Right. Yeah. And that we have a solution that everybody is going to love. It's going to be wonderful. And this vision that we have is just tremendous. Right. One of the big things that we learn uh, as entrepreneurs after, you know, going through many experiences and failing many times with that approach um, is you have to sort of unlearn it and go, go back to what is the problem that you're trying to solve for whom and do they care, <laughs> you know, and is it, is it enough for, for them to pay for a solution somehow, right? Um, and this, this sort of conversation, to your point, soft skill kind of conversation is really, to me, what determines whether or not a company succeeds. And I'll give you an example. My very first startup in 1999 was a company called Vacation Coach, which was a was a, a travel an expert system for travel advice. Okay, okay. so we had done um, we had gotten knowledge from travel agents around the world, and we had combined all of that together. We had designed it into a knowledge base where we could uh, extract specific advice for you for your specific needs for um, a trip, right? It was wonderful, it was great. But business model-wise, um, I was maybe a little bit ahead of my time, okay? <laughs> so I was convinced that people would never buy, would, would never uh, 
want to experience this kind of a business that was offering you advice yeah. under an advertising model. Because I looked at that and I said, well, you know, people are just going to think that we're sending them to advertisers. People are just going to think that, you know, we're, we're just, that's the way we're making money and that's the way it's going to work. So what we decided as a business model is to do a subscription. Okay. Right? So this was when there weren't subscriptions. Uh, wait, how okay. long ago was this? This was, this was 1999. So, you know, oh, when we okay. talk about subscriptions, we're talking about, oh, I don't know, New York Times. I mean, there were very, very few subscriptions. No yep. online service really had subscriptions back then. Um, right. Well, it turned out that, you know, unfortunate reality of sometimes being ahead of your time was that it, you know, didn't fit. So the tide had not come in for that business model at all. And in the end, you know, especially with the, the economy sort of taking a few twists and turns here and there, and the travel industry taking yep. a big, uh, basically collapsing after 9-11, um, the company didn't really didn't really make it. Although we we raised lots of money, we had great partners like Travelocity and Sendent and some of these you know big companies. But um, the the subscription model, the business model, part of it, the tech yeah. was great, right? The you know everybody loved it who used it, but the business model was not a fit for the time. Um, so these are things you really have to watch out for. And, you know, the only way to know that is to get out and talk to people yep. and listen. Um, and actually, maybe that's even a better way to put it. Get out and listen to people. They talk about talking. You shouldn't do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> you should get out and think that, what am I going to do today? I am going to listen. That's all I'm going to do. Um, to try and figure out what's important. To people, you know, what problems are they are they trying to solve in your particular area that you can help them with? Yeah. That's that was kind of my experience at uh, at Babson, at least. You know, when um, when I joined for the for the MBA program, we had a lot of students who came in, um, you know, for the entrepreneurship program. A lot of them came in from family businesses. A lot of them came in having run their own business, and. It, it was really interesting because you had people from all over the world um, mm -hmm. facing very similar challenges, but having really different solutions. So, you know, it just opens up a whole new world of thinking because what might work in one country might not work in another. And especially if you want to grow your business, you want to enter new markets, you need to understand how people in those markets are solving problems. You know, we see a lot of instances of companies trying to expand abroad, uh, but they their solutions don't work for the local market. Right. And um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, basically. <laughs> so I'm saying. No, absolutely right. And that's a big, a big, honestly, I, I have to say, that's a, a big sometimes issue with American businesses is, you know, sometimes we have some great things and we build some great things and we try and bring it into other countries around the world without listening, <laughs> you know. It, and Yeah, it happens with a lot of companies. Like, yeah, but it's just... I think the reluctance, like the what might work here has to work everywhere else, right? Um, so just uh, to get to know this, you know, uh, program a bit better, what what's the timeline like? When is, like, what are we looking at in terms of um, the start and end date, class sizes? Is it like a hybrid or is it fully virtual? 
Uh, um, it's fully shares. virtual. Fully virtual. Okay. F fully virtual. Um, the I think we settled on uh, twelve weeks, um, if I got that right. And it's a sort of a sprint-based program, right? So okay. it's it's structured in such a way that you really are able to sort of um, lead, you know, be led all the way through from sprint to sprint. So there's specific things that we try to accomplish in each sprint um, about, you know, say business model or say, you know, figuring out hypotheses or creating a first version of something that can be shown to people. Um, so it's all sort of laid out in these sprints for you um, that, that help you uh, do it in a very structured way. So in the end, you have working software. You have a working product. And is the intake only, um, is it like every semester or like how many, how many times a year is this program run? This is something we're still working out. Okay. Um, definitely the, the idea is that it's, it's such a great and novel combination of the no code education and the business education, right? Since, yeah. since so many businesses are really software enabled these days, it really is kind of a new generation of how to do things, right? Um, and, you know, things have changed in software. I've been in software all my career and we've done a lot of different um, methods and things like that to try and bring software into the business a little bit more and, and instead of it being sort of off in its corner, right? Mm -hmm. Well, no, no code is the next generation of that. So you literally can have a conversation and have some working software at the end of the day to demonstrate it, right? And then go back the next day and talk about whether this worked or not, right? And then the, the risk is so much lower, right? Because you don't have to wait for weeks and weeks for something to be developed. Right. So that means it not only changes the, the dynamics and the, the economics of it, but it changes the dynamics in terms of the, the personal dynamics of it. Because what, what is it like when you say, oh, this is this is what I'm looking for. And you sketch it out on a whiteboard or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or even maybe a formal design, whatever. And you hand it off to a programmer and then they work their butt off for three weeks. Yeah. And they come back. And you look at it and you say, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very challenging, the dynamics are very challenging. So this sort of a flow of development, I think, will eventually win out because it does allow you to be you know, more dynamic. Your, your development is more dynamic. Your development is more closely tied to the business. Um, the the barriers of making shifts are much lower. So you can be more nimble, much more nimble than uh, current text-based software development. Is there, is there any particular instance that stands out for you though, having, having run this program, uh, any particular business or student that you know, made a really, really good, uh, that made really good use of this program? Oh, there's so many examples. I mean, anything that's related to, um, you know, contact management or tracking or uh, anything related to, um, a, a lot, I've seen a lot of people come through who 
build, uh, you know, training solutions or, mm-hmm. or classroom type solutions. Um, my, I myself have I've just it's totally run the gamut for me. I, I've done um, application MVPs for companies like Duncan and and Analog in the state of Massachusetts. You know, I even use the same platform to build a, a design for their the state of Massachusetts unemployment system. You know, oh. so you really can build pretty much anything. And in the you know again latest version of uh, uh, latest example is I have a, a platform for people to request Santa videos for their children. <laughs> and the videos get you know delivered to them through the platform. So just, eh, I mean, yeah, there's anything, a lot of variety. I, I, I think, I think this is very interesting mainly because it gives entrepreneurs a lot of control, right. Mm-hmm. Over what they're doing. It doesn't, you don't have to keep depending on others to do it. So I think that first and foremost is very important. And, uh, I think secondly, even from a, you, you were right from a cost perspective, um, you given the fact that it's like a three month program, three to four month program, it and what fifteen hours a week you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and again, it will really it is pretty intensive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So people really do need to put the the time in. Um, but the great thing about it is, if you you put the time in, you have all of these colleagues standing beside you. Yes. Right. So whenever you run into any sort of uh, uh, an issue or a speed bump or whatever, whether it be on the technical side, which is more of what I'm covering, or on the business side, which there's a whole set of uh, Babson professors, specialists that are are working, you know, you have someone right there. Um, And, you know, it's a part of the weekly um, rhythm for you to have, you know, one-on-one time, your team, with the the other folks with these different specialties so that you can work out any sort of things where you're stuck. I agree. It's a, it's a great concept. And uh, I'm interested in learning even more about it now, kind of seeing, you know, some videos. It's, and... it's great. Not only that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell you. It's going to no be doubt. a lot of fun. No doubt. All right, Mr. Roberts, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. I got to learn a lot from you. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping people listening to this podcast, which is aimed at students at Babson, you know, give your class a try and join this program. Well, it's great to be here. And I really look forward to welp- welcoming uh, many people into this, this kind of new generation of building software-based businesses. It really, we are really sort of pointing the direction here. Um, and I'll tell you, five years from now, people will say, why do we do it any other way? No doubt. <laughs> Best of luck. And thanks again. All right. Thank you.